Happy New Year. Balcony, Happy New Year. I, just, I haven't gotten up there for a couple weeks now, and I just want you to know that I know you're there. And you're loved. You're part of the family of God. Even though you want to separate yourselves from us, we love you. Just so you know. I love preaching the last Sunday of the year and and looking forward to the new year. And and I just believe that the best is yet to come. And and you've probably heard me say this many times over the years that I've had the opportunity to preach. But I, I truly believe that. We have had a great year. Dan alluded to that. We've had a great year. Uh, we've bounced back from COVID. We've bounced back in uh, physical presence. We've b- bounced back in financially. Uh, God is just doing a great thing. We've got a great staff, great support staff. I love what we get to do around here. We are a strong church by the grace of God. Amen. All right. So, as we look and as we reflect back, I just brag on what the, what God is doing, and things are happening all the time. We had a a, a man that just moved to Brazil. He was at a, a at the laundromat in Brazil. I don't know which one, and and uh, he showed up to church today. And and somebody said, "Well, how did how did you end up here?" Well, somebody at the laundromat invited me to church. So, thank God for some people that go to the laundromat. Amen. How cool is that? I want to celebrate, celebrate that. And if you're joining us online, we celebrate that opportunity and technology that we have today. But I want to challenge you a few things just starting out this morning. First of all, I want to challenge you to be physically in attendance, in presence as often as you possibly can be. I think there's some, I, you say, well, preacher, you're just trying to pad your numbers. Yeah. Okay. But but the real real deal is that we need each other. If you're not here, part of the body is missing, and the body doesn't function as well without you. And you can't do that online. Uh, where two or three are gathered, and I know that some of you are in your pajamas drinking your coffee, and I know it sounds like I'm jealous, and I am, but but we can't do this thing alone, can we? We tried that through the pandemic. I I just about had a nervous breakdown, honestly. It, it, I don't do alone well. You think, well, Chris, you're just not a really gregarious, not a huggy guy, not very emotional, you know, very compassionate. If anybody could make it alone, you could. No, I can't. I just can't do that. And so I want to challenge you to make that a priority. I, I, sometimes our staff gets a little dejected, our uh, student ministry, our youth, children. Some of, some, of, some of us get a little dejected when people don't show up, and, and that doesn't seem like God and the church's priority. And so even if you're just doing it to make us feel better, go ahead and do it. We'll feel better about it. Uh the other thing I want to challenge you is that Gary Klatfelter, uh texted me this week and said, are you going to encourage people to read the Bible again this year? Well, Gary, I've only been doing it for like 30 years now, 35 years. It's been a theme of my ministry overall that uh, I read the Bible every year 
through. I just finished Malachi, the very end. And it's really cool how the Old Testament ends with, turn your hearts of the children toward their fathers and the hearts of the fathers toward their children. And John the Baptist does that in the very next page, only it took 400 years of silence to do that. It's amazing what the Bible does. And then I ended Revelation 22 and about the Lord coming back and he is faithful and true and he's going to judge. But there's going to be this beautiful place called heaven and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And and how much better does it get? So I would encourage you to read your Bible. And spend some time with the Lord and pray every day. Now, the church can do a lot of things, but, but you'll get to a plateau if you're a church attender and you're, you're present. But, but, but if you get into the Word yourself and you start feeding yourself and you start growing in Christ, it's going to transform your life. And that's really what we're here for, is life transformation business. In fact, the first series of the year is all about that. What I'm going to preach for the next five or six weeks is all about that. The the other thing I want to challenge you to do is to get into a Sunday school class or a small group or or some way of meeting with two or three people. Been doing it for years. Been in a, a, a life group, in a small group. Those people have refrigerator rights. They know what I have in my refrigerator and what we don't have in our refrigerator. They know where our coffee is. They know how to make the coffee. Uh, they're at home in our home. Uh, another place is uh, Adult Bible Fellowship or Sunday School. You need to be involved with some people for support, for relationship. Some people think that... The only way you can be holy in this world is to become a hermit and live on a mountaintop or in in a a, a tent somewhere isolated from everybody else. Well, that's not how Christianity works. We we live and we work with one another, and and we are a part of God's character building and life transformation process. And and part of that is that we don't always agree that we kind of sometimes needle each other and irritate each other, and that's where we learn grace and patience and love and joy and forgiveness and all those things. Character building. And so those are my challenges. Get in church, read your Bible, and get into a group that is mutually encouraging. I, I had an experience this last week, and I've had it earlier here about a month ago. I was involved with some people, and they have said this comment to me, and it's been a couple times, and I've, I've heard about this. Uh, we're spiritual, but we're not religious. And I just kind of look at and think to myself, what does that mean? You're spiritual, but you're not religious. And then how do I fit into this you know, how do I, how am I spiritual and not religious? Does that mean I use my Bible? I don't use my Bible. Do I not believe in Jesus? How do I honor God and, and deal with someone who's spiritual and not religious? And folks, that's part of our culture today. The nuns and the duns. The nuns are those that have never believed and really don't know what Christianity or have a religion or affiliation with anything. I don't know how you do life without that spiritual aspect, but yet they claim spirituality. I don't know how that works. And the, the duns are people that have been burned or grown up in church and say, I don't want to have anything to do 
with any of that. And so those that 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 reality exists. And so when I engage with people in in life traumatizing events and circumstances in their life, and they have no idea what a relationship with Jesus is about. And so that is a, a way and a, a different type of discussion that I'm having with people. You know, what, what do I do? Who am I? What is my purpose and function? Well, I'm a pastor, preacher, and I happen to believe the Word of God is true, and, and the reality is that Jesus was a historic figure, but he also lived and he died for our sin, and he resurrected from the dead, and there is an eternity and I don't know how you do life without him. Amen. So this new series is called Some People Change. And, and sometimes I listen, when I'm not listening to Christian music, I listen to country music. And there's a song called by Montgomery Gentry called Some People Change. And as I have lived my life and as I've been in ministry for 40 years now, I've noticed that some people change. Some people don't. Some people make resolutions and some people don't. Some people have given up on resolutions, New Year's resolutions, and trying to grow and to be better. And some of them have chosen to be bitter and not to change, not to grow, and to give up. And and the difference is that there is a growth mindset and there is a fixed or a stagnant mindset. And you know who you are. And you know who you're married to. And you know which mindset they have. And and some of us have tried so long, so hard, and have given up. In fact, here's the truth. A vast majority of us quit our resolutions by the second Friday of January. So how long will that be? This Friday will be Today is the 31st. Tomorrow will be the 1st. So Friday will be the 5th, right? Is that right? I don't know. Somebody check their watch or their calendar or whatever. And so by the 12th of January, some people have quit their resolutions. But I've also read research recently that it is better for us to resolve to do better than to not to resolve to do anything at all, and to resolve to do better and to fail rather than not to do anything at all. And you say, well, what's the point? Absolutely. Here's the reason why. We start with great intentions. We start with great intentions, don't we? I'd rather be judged by my great intentions than by the reality that I live, wouldn't you? And at the same time, aren't you tired of being stuck? I kind of am. It seems like every year my resolution is, I want to lose some weight. I want to get healthier. I want to do better. Don't you? The Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans. He says this, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. It's not my fault. It's the sin. 
For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. And then skip to verse 24. It says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, the Apostle Paul is wrestling with the same things that we wrestle with. And if he wrestled, I think so will we. But he didn't give up. And and I think that we do have right intentions, but we have the wrong strategy. And so the next few weeks, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about how can we really change? Because real change isn't behavior modification. If it were, then all the counselors would have to do is say, stop it and do this. But it doesn't work that way. And that's why I'm not a counselor, because I can tell you to stop it and to do this, and you can give me five bucks and, and, and move on in, in with your life. I'd be the cheapest counselor ever. I'd just say, stop it. It doesn't work that way. You see, real change is spiritual transformation. And what's discouraging to me is I know Christians that have been in church all their lives, but they've not experienced spiritual transformation. We should be getting better, not more bitter. We shouldn't be grumpy old people. We should be gracious, grace-filled old people. Paul says it this way. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will stop this process? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. So there's still the struggle. In the New Living Translation, a little bit easier to understand, it says says it this way, Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. We rely on him. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. So that we can have the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control that we should have, the fruit of the Spirit, because the Spirit living inside of us, the transformation. You see, it's God is the one who draws me. God is the one who saves me. The same God that sends his Spirit, that brings people unto himself. That same God is the God who saves us. Now, there are three mindsets that are common with this idea of change, but there's only one right one that's going to work. And the first one's this, God, then me. So I believe in God, but but for me to produce the character changes the fruit of the Spirit, then I have to do all the work. It's all about my effort. And you know people like that, that do, 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 constantly feel guilty, 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 that are grumpy, 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 because they're guilty, guilty, guilty all the time. You know those people? I know them. Sometimes I am them. And so are you. 
The other way is God, not me. It's all about God. When God moves me, I will get better. But God hasn't moved me yet. So it's all God's responsibility. It shifts responsibility for me to God. I can blame God. I can blame God for my sin, for my immorality, for my addictions, for my whatever. Because it's all God's fault, because if he made me stronger, better, then I would be stronger and better. But the third way is the right way, is God through me. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Now, Paul was forgiven. He received God's grace. He didn't have to talk about his past life, but he does. Now, some of it might have been guilt, but I don't think so. I think he's relating to us about his past. But notice, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I've been changed by God, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Here is the legalist of all legalists who earned his way. It was God by his power, Paul, Pharisee among Pharisees. But he's saying, it wasn't that. It was God's grace toward me was not empty. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So it's a partnership. Real change isn't God, then you. Real change isn't God, not you. Real change is God through you. By his grace, through his spirit, he changes us. The grace that saves you is also the grace that changes you. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. I'm just giving you a broad umbrella overview high view of where we're going. For change to be spiritual transformation, it has to be spiritual. Now, I brought up that some people are spiritual, but they're not religious. I don't think they're spiritual at all. I think they're lost. They have my compassion. How can you be spiritual and not know Jesus, the greatest spiritual person that ever lived? Isn't that crazy? That people can think that, but they do, and they're deceived. They are lost, and they don't even know it. And how can you go throughout life without that? Can you ever be really happy? Can you ever be really joyful? Can you really ever have peace in your life? I don't think so. I think there would be a lostness. And I think that the only thing we can do is to pray and live an example of who Christ is, and tell them about how Jesus lived and how he died. Now, as we're, we're looking at change, I want you to know two things. There needs to be a spiritual why as well as a spiritual how. You know, otherwise we just have good intentions or right intentions, and, and, and we're going to fail, as most do by the second Friday of January. Your spiritual why is God's purpose for you. Now, my purpose and your purpose may not be the same. 
And like I said before, one of my goals, I don't want to do this, but I do need to do this, for my health would be to lose some weight, to get healthy. That's kind of something, you know, as as having been give, given the gift of life and being the age that I am, I need to take care of what I've been given. And And I think that's a good thing, don't you? Amen? I'm not so sure you guys are with me or not. Either you've fallen asleep or you're saying, Chris, you just might as well accept it, get on with it. I don't know. Amen. I heard that. Amen. See, your spiritual how is God's power through you. Spiritual why, spiritual how. First, the spiritual why. Now, a lot of times, you know, just to be healthy, just to feel good, just to look better, you know, I can only work with what I got, right? But but really, because I've been gifted like you've been gifted, a body, which is the temple of God, I need to get my spiritual why right. My purpose is to live for him. My purpose is, to, I. this is the only body I have, and if I steward it well and I take care of it well, even though genetics may catch up with me and someday I will die, but if I take care of it now, I might be more fruitful in service for God if I take care of it. And then the spiritual how. Where's the power coming from? It's, it's relying and working with God through that situation, whether it's physical health and well-being from diet and exercise. It may be uh, freeing from an addiction like alcohol or pain medication or, or uh, smoking or some, something else that's going on in your life, immorality or, or temptation whatever it is. And you say, well, God doesn't want me to do that, but what's our purpose? Our body's a temple. Our lives are a reflection of God in us. And you say, well, Chris, I'm, I, you're preaching about habits and things like that. I absolutely am, because they're destroying what God desires for you and, and, and for what he has for you. So if he can't take you away from him, then what he can do is shorten your life so that you can't be of use for him and bring others to Christ. Zechariah 4, if you've been reading through the Bible in the year, and uh, did I say that I, I'm reading through the Bible right now? Uh, Dave Basinger invited me to, to read through the Bible chronologically, and that's a cool way to do it from the, you know, the very first to the very end, and it interjects Scripture as you go. The only problem with that is you don't hit the New Testament until about September, and I don't know about you, but I need a little bit of Jesus before September this year. You know what I mean? So I, I'm going to read that. I'm going to do chronological, but I'm also going to do the Bible through the year where you get some Old Testament, some New Testament, some Psalms and Proverbs, because I need that. Don't you? Zechariah 4, 6 says it this way. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And Zechariah was a great prophet. If you've never read Zechariah, it's encouraging. He says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. A lot of times we have right intention, but we don't bring God with us. Now, the, the, the biggest change for me in diet is I'm not going to push trash in God's temple like I did this last week. I had a whole bag of Ghirardelli chocolate caramels in a 24-hour period. 
And it really was good. But I had forgotten my spiritual why, which is to steward God's body, God's temple in me. So I've got to remind myself, too. So you got to define your spiritual why for, for that habit, for that temptation, to refocus on something positive. And then the spiritual how. And we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks talking about the spiritual how. Define that spiritual how in your life. And God is going to work through you. You know, when we put ourselves with God under his care and with his power, it changes us. We can be transformed beyond the second Friday in January. We can say, I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than that wrong desire in me. Remember, this isn't a change of behavior. It is a change of heart. That's totally different, isn't it? Behavior modification comes internally, not externally, not by our own power, but through the power of Christ. You see, if you don't change your behavior, or if you change your behavior, but you don't change your heart, the behavior will come back. That's why drug and alcohol rehabs are so common and and failure is so common with uh, the penal uh, institutions that, that people get punished and they want to change and they change inside and they go back outside, but it's only external and it's not internal. There's not a lasting change. Real and lasting change is a reflection of God's power through you. It is working in partnership, in cooperation with the Spirit of God. You see, the root of the problem is almost always spiritual. It always is spiritual. And in our lives, whether it's eating or drinking or whatever we do, whatever temptation it is, we're trying to meet a need or relieve a hurt with something besides God's grace. And it will never, ever work. The Apostle Paul says it this way, and I'm using the Apostle Paul a lot today, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You're not alone in your struggle. That's why we need each other. That's why we need life groups and Sunday school and church, because where two or three are gathered, where we can support, where we can love, where you matter to God and to us. You see, real change isn't God, then you. Real change isn't God, not you. Real change is God through you. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful for this time. Father, we're thankful that... You're a God of transformation, and we are not alone. It's not all on us. It's not all on you, but it's through your Spirit, through your grace in us, and that you work through us for your good. And Father, may our lives be a story that can 
be seen by others and they might know of your transforming work that when they see us they see a changed person transformed by the power of God and when they say what happened we can say it was God through us Jesus Christ made the difference in my life you need to know him he will transform you Father, we're counting that you have not given up. You are continually doing your work, and that change is going on in us, through us, that you will complete that work in us as you will. Father, we're thankful for your grace, for your spirit, for the power that it provides in our lives. And Father, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. 